Welcome to the Wine and Vinyl Club, a podcast for people who like to drink and listen to great music. Once a fortnight, Chris, David and myself, Christian, discuss an album from an eclectic mix of classics and favourites through the decades. We'll then attempt to match it with two different bottles of wine or something a little bit different and finally choose our favourite to enjoy while listening to this album. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Wine and Vinyl Club. My name's Christian, and you are joined by Chris and Dave. And each week, we choose one album, one famous album, and we match it to a couple of bottles of absolutely delicious wine. So, Dave, what have we got ready for us today? Okay, the album that we're going to do for this episode is Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no. What year was it released? About the uh, 2007, I think? Yeah, you're very near. 27th of October 2006. The label was Island Records. The producers, Mark Ronson and Salam Remy, it had 11 tracks. 34 minutes and 56 seconds long, and the genre was soul, R&B, and neo-soul. And it was a brutally tragic breakup album. Shall we talk about the wine for this evening? Oh, absolutely. I'll actually, uh, I can announce, I've brought a, um, I've brought a Penfolds, Kalimna Shiraz. It's from Bin 28, and it's a 2015 Shiraz. What about yourself, Chris? I went, not bizarre, but I went somewhere a little bit different. So I went all the way to Eastern Europe and we've gone to Georgia and we've got a red wine called Saparavi, uh, which uh, we can talk about a little bit later. Saparavi, or to say it in accent, don't you? I mean, yeah, sure. If you want to do that, that's you, you fine. You do, Chris. Maybe yeah. I should talk like this for the rest of... No, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> may, yeah, maybe not. We've got a lot of Georgian listeners. Um, our, our radio show is so popular over there. But yeah, it's it's not something that's well known, but it's starting to become popular in Australia. But it comes from what we think is the home of winemaking. And I mean, this is where winemaking began thousands and thousands of years ago. Georgia. Wow. That's what the science tells us so far. Surely it's too cold. It is it is mm. cold climate great, but it's doing well at other places around the world. But maybe we can talk about the aspects of those wines a little bit later on. But I would like to know, David, everything you can tell. Not everything, because you've got like a, a you Bible. Mean, you mean everything Wikipedia can tell me about yeah, Back to Black? Yeah, yeah let, us, let us know about this album. Okay, so it was received with widespread acclaim from the critics. The Metacritic adds it all up. And they gave it a score of 81 out of 100, which would be an A grade. Many publications that year had it in their top 10 list, with Time magazine voting it number one. Entertainment Weekly had it as number two and Billboard as number three for 2006. It's in the Rolling Stones um, 100 Best Albums of All Time, rated at number 20, received five Grammys, and the album is also included in the 1001 albums you must hear before you die. So it was described by Douglas Walk, writing for Rolling Stone, as an unlikely marvel, a desperately sad and stirring record.
it's definitely sad with hindsight, isn't it? I mean, it's it's sad in its lyrics and its content, but God, it, when you know that she died so young, it really is quite a depressing listen. It is hard to divorce the the album from the singer, and as you say, from from the sad story that happened to her. I'm trying to not do that too much, mm. but I think it's almost impossible because this album is her. Yeah, it's her vocal stylings, her lyrics, everything about it is just pure, unadulterated, in-your-face Amy Winehouse. And so you really can't separate it from, from her as a person, I think. Yeah, I. it's going to be interesting to hear what you guys think about it, because I think this could be quite polarising. Oh, look, I, I definitely think there's there's a uniqueness to this album. It is. It certainly hadn't been heard for a very long time, that sound, not since the 60s. When she released this, it certainly was a breath of fresh air, something that we haven't heard for a very long time. I looked back and saw what was in the charts in 2006, and it was fairly generic dance music. Mm. There were some big bands out there, your Coldplay's and things like that. But this was a, a breath of fresh air. It was totally different from anything that was out there at the time. Having said that, it drew heavily on, you've already said, on those um, 60s girl bands, that kind of sound. Though it didn't quite sound like the other kind of neo-soul stuff that was going mm. around either. She definitely put her own stamp on it. Yeah, I, I remember when this came out, because I remember at that time, that style of music, that pin-up clothing model like the 50s and 60s with the the bouffant hair and and the tats and that sort of style that retro vintage soul 60s 50s sort of thing was so popular and it still is today but maybe not to the extent that it was at that time and i feel that maybe that has influenced how i've listened to the album today i'll tell you right now when i first listened to it it felt a little bit dated yeah, I'll yeah. agree too. I, I felt the same way. I thought I've heard this before, and I went back and I went through my old Etta James albums, and I went to listen to Dakota Staten, and I listened to the Shangri Las, and I heard it before. However, I heard it in a perhaps a a smoother style, which is what I I found a little bit harsh when listening to Amy. She she tends to scratch them out of her throat, giving them this sort of real earthy, meaty, gutsy sound, which. When you listen to it a few times, you actually start to, you do start to appreciate it, but it's quite jarring. I know what you mean. I think if you just tend to have it on in the background, all that comes through really is the vocal that that's the main thing and it can be jarring but at the same time i think she emotes more than almost any other singer i mean she's like a modern day billy holiday i mean when she goes back to black and and is in the depth of depression Mm. and is heartbroken and is dying for her man you feel it and She's not, I mean, her diction is poor. There are so many Mondegreens in the album. That Can you just, I mean, I clearly know what a Mondegreen is, um, but maybe some people <laughs> listening don't. So can you explain what that means? So a Mondegreen is a line in a song that you have heard countless times and sung wrong for 
ever because it's so difficult because she she changes the vowel sounds and she's got that jazzy styling mm. i mean she puts a huge amount of vocal styling into what she's singing that you never really know quite what she is singing because unless you listen to it on headphones or unless you sit down and actually look yeah. at the lyric sheet it could almost be anything sometimes yeah i i found that when i did actually get into the third or fourth listen through on headphones it's like david beckham singing to you because like, it's not really i mean obviously <laughs> much better but you know what i mean david beckham is not a great public speaker no and her her diction and her grammar are terrible oh but, she's a london girl well yeah and yeah, I guess that's to be expected, but that grittiness doesn't come across unless you do delve deeper and listen to it time after time after time. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, and, and this is going to probably offend some people, but the first listen through, I felt, as I've already said, it was a bit dated, and it was dated to the point that it felt a bit kitsch. And that's that shocked me because I loved I loved this album when it came out. Christian, what did you think about that? Oh, look, I, I, I'm going to say that... Um, I want to call this the minor album because this is the minor key album. Every song is sung in a minor key. Okay. Which makes it this so much sadder and drawn and almost sometimes does give it that sultry Bond-esque sound as well. But the minor key is, for those people who are maybe not sure about what a minor Thank key you. is, the minor key would be those songs that are a little bit sadder, a little bit more, you know, drawn and melancholy. And songs sung in a major key are quite bright and bubbly and poppy. And it's actually quite listen, uh, quite interesting to listen to some of the songs from the album, and you can do this on YouTube, in the major key, because they sound very, very different. Okay. Almost upbeat, if you will. I've got to go and try listening to some of these songs. I agree with you. Yes. I mean, I, I agree with everything you've said, but I don't dislike it for those reasons. I would probably rate it as the best breakup album I've ever heard. You really feel what she is singing about. It's very self-aware, though. She's not just wallowing in self-pity. She knows that she is her own worst enemy and that most of what she's doing, she's doing to herself and she's questioning herself constantly. Absolutely. Why but am I doing so, There's this? a lot of denial in that album as well. And perspective pushes true. I'll be some next man's other woman. So I can't break myself again. She'll just be my own best friend. I put myself in the headway. Stupid man. I don't, I don't know if there's denial. I think she knows exactly who she is and what she is. She was in such a dark place when she wrote it. Now, what's really interesting is the when she recorded this album, she recorded it in 10 days. Hmm. So she flew to Miami and they recorded this in, they recorded this literally, I think it was a song a day. It's pretty good. Which is really interesting considering there was so much emotion in in the lyrics that she was able to sort of get through it so quickly. Uh, some of them are single takes. That was it. She just laid it down. And the other thing yeah. is that every time she sung it, she sung it differently. Yeah. Um, and they were all good. Yeah. So it was, I think that's one of the reasons. I, I heard that when she is straight and she's 
off the booze and and there's no drugs in her system mm. she is the consummate professional um she was such a natural jazz singer that she could just come and do it there you go you know and it's it's perfect and that just made it easy for everybody else but when you mix a cocktail of drink and drugs in there she's yep. a completely different creature let's move on let's and move to the wine talk about some wine so christian talk to us oh thank you I'm really glad you picked me first. Um, I can go first if you like. No, it's okay. I do this. Uh, I, yeah, really well, not down no, with No, well, hey. that's okay. I was going to get there with my Georgian accent. I do apologize to the people of Georgia. Um, look, I've got to admit, I, I've only, I, I've had this once before, and I didn't have this year. I thought I'll get a, uh, I'll try a slightly older, uh, been 28, and uh, for a standard Shiraz drinker, I quite like this wine. It is... Um, it is really smooth. The kick or the, the hit of the Shiraz comes just that little bit later. It doesn't have, it has a, a really nice nose, but um, you don't get as much of it as you do in the flavor. For me, I just taste, it's it's quite smooth. There's, a, again, all of the dark berries that you'd want, but also a little bit of smoky, a little bit of tobacco, which is one of the reasons I sort of like this for Amy. It's quite spicy, but it's not it's not overly dry, and the taste lingers. It stays in your mouth that little bit longer. It stays on your tongue. Chris, what about... I like it. I think it's a really nice. It has taken a while to open up. We haven't really True. given it some time. But, yeah, it's it's really good. There was a lot of sediment in the bottle. Yeah, there was a lot of sediment in there. It's Again, only, that's what, I think six years old? That's right. And I've had this open for about uh, about three and a half hours now. Yeah, I think I think it's really nice. It's a dark color, which is Shiraz is generally pretty dark. Yeah, um, it's, there's a lot of there's typical flavors here. It's it's red fruit, a little bit of blackberry. It's not overly peppery, I don't think for a, for a Shiraz. No, um, no, it's not. But it's it's Barossa all over. It's yeah. it's definitely if you want a really nice Shiraz from the Barossa, that's a really good example. And I, I think for those people listening, uh, Penfolds is a you know probably the the la- one of the largest wine manufacturers in Australia. Would would you if agree? Not, if not, they if not. The largest well-known producer of quality wine. Mm. Yeah. No, you're right. It's a classic Jiraz. It's mellowed quite a bit. It's very smooth. A lot of the tannins, which is probably what the sediment is, has dropped out. So it's not that mouth-puckering astringency that you'd get from something a little bit younger. Mm. Knowing a bit about Penfolds, this is not their bottom end by any means. This is a this is a wine that you would bring to a nice dinner party. Would you Would you agree with that? I I think so. It certainly wasn't your cheaper no, it wouldn't bottle have been. Of, of Shiraz. It was uh, definitely not right up there. Right. Well, let me let me nerd out for a bit. You you guys have had your musical fantasies. Now let me talk about this beast here. So this is a Saparavi, which is from, as we said, Georgia. And in Georgian, that translates as not dark, but as dye, not as in death, but as in like clothing dye or All to right. dye something because it's traditionally it's black like it's really really dark you know can you see the symbolism there perhaps oh, everyone back to black um, yeah so i just thought i'd throw that <laughs> oh, in we there. started our pictures early um so. obviously it's a red grape but it's an interesting red grape and i love this because it's really rare and unique it's a tainturia grape now this is me being a geek but that means because most red grapes will have white flesh so the juice that comes out of the grape is white anyway. 
but this is a red grape with red skin and red pulp or red flesh inside. So the, the pigment in the skin, which we call anthocyanins, if we want to talk about a bit of chemistry, is also in the flesh. So it gives us this nice, rich, dark-coloured thing. And saparavi can sometimes be used to, to blend with things to give it more colour. But it's rare that a grape like that will be used as a single varietal. Mm. So what you should be tasting is dark fruit so ripe sort of not necessarily stewed but on the way to being stewed fruit black currant i'm getting red plums yeah red Those plums yeah. definitely ripe plums um some spice but you picked up on something that i picked up on as well christian was the licorice yeah absolutely so getting licorice in there mm. sometimes leathery but smoke is that leatheriness from the tannin or is it just a flavor generally that grape? that characteristic the leather, the smoke, all that stuff either comes from the barrel or the aging process. Right, okay. So I, when I taste this, I get all of those things and it's it's opulent, it's decadent. Think smoky, velvet lounge, dark, soul music, full-bodied, maybe too much for some. And it gives me... I did a little bit of research on the music this week, which is not something that I usually do. And someone, I can't remember who it was, quoted Amy as saying that she she said, give everything that you're thinking and give something that's exciting. And I think you get that with this wine. It gives it everything it's got and it is an exciting wine to drink for all those characteristics. And, and I, I got a little bit poetic. Will you indulge me? <laughs> what do you reckon? No, you don't want to listen to me? No, no, no. Well, go, I'm no say it anyway. I really you want, uh, you no. go for your life. Because so, I felt like last time, Christian, you got all artsy. <laughs> and that one Dave over to the wine, and I was just like, oh, it's like walking in a park with your wife or something like that, and, and I didn't really win it. So just let your ears enjoy this, okay? Saparavi is vintage in the most literal sense. It's from a time gone by and being resurrected in the new world. New artists think, musically, Adele, Florence and the Machine, LaRue, could be considered the modern Saparavis. Amy began a new movement for a return to the vintage, the past, with a new contemporary twist. Saparavi is Winehouse. It gives you everything it's thinking and something exciting. It's complicated, it's rare and unique, surrounded by mystery and, of course, very, very black in both the glass and the ears. I love them both and they're definitely worth a sip and a listen. <laughs> that is the most poetic I think I've ever heard you get, Well, Chris. you know, getting old. And, and <laughs> Christian's frantically and writing it, a poem it, it, right it, it, now. It, it, I'm just writing a poem right now myself. It is but. A, a beautiful description of the wine and actually very, very truthful and honest, I think. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think you are just making, it's not just a pitch. No. Um, believing every word you say. Yeah. It is I, beautiful. I feel like we've got a lot to owe. We owe a lot to Georgia for making wine. I love that. When I drink this wine, it fills my mouth. <laughs> wow, no, 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 no. It fills my mouth with because oh. as I take a drink, my it, it it gets right up my nose. All my senses are attacked at the same time. So I actually really love mm. I love the Georgian wine. It's good, but it's Stop. but it's it's also. <laughs> But no, no, I, I, I mean that in all seriousness, though. When you take a, a drink of, of this wine, it's, you, you can't help but be taken in by its colour, 
not only its taste, but its smell as well and the aroma that stays with you as you drink it. Now, look, I love my Shiraz, but this is a really interesting drink. It attacks the senses. And if you will, and, you know, Amy's album attacks the senses mm. as well. It's delicious. It's really different. I, I'm, uh, I'm, sh- I'm shocked at how good it is, actually. I, I, really I, like I think we've, we've just had Christian give a pitch for Chris's wine. <laughs> well, that's what good poetry will get people to do, Dave. So, well, although you're welcome. Poetry, I'm, I'm looking forward to your, your next anthology of, of poems. Oh, you know, I'll just get myself a beret and walk around like a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've we've talked about the wines. What about I guess we haven't really spoken too much about how you feel about the album. There are some songs that I really like and I've really enjoyed in this album. Although I tend to find that a lot of these songs blend into each other and I'm not sure what song I'm listening to. But there are some standouts. You know I'm no good. And I think that's a Ronson song. That is, that's fantastic. I do love Back to Black, but I also love Tears Dry on their own. So they sampled Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Marvin Gaye, which is a wonderful song. And I felt like it's a very, it's a real tease. It's a bit, it's a very much a tease song because uh, when you, in, in, when you listen to Ain't No Mountain High Enough, there is the climax of the chorus when uh, they sing Ain't No Mountain High Enough, but... Amy doesn't do that. She she teases you and uh, she brings it down. And she goes you don't down. Get, she yeah. does go yeah. down. And it's um, I quite like listening to that. It was it was a really different way to hear a, a song that I thought I knew well. I I did warm to the album and did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I did. I did warm to it, but mm. I won't be listening to it again in a real hurry. Okay. Because I know you have that on vinyl, don't you? So you bought I that. Do. At I do. I bought that. I bought that. Yeah, I bought it a few years ago. Listened to it a few times, but again, just much like yourselves, put it on, put it on in the background, mm. and uh, never really listened to it. Mm. I think it's an album that you can just put on in the background, kind of dinner party music yep. at the back. It's got that retro feel. It's not going to offend anybody unless they actually listen to the lyrics and and listen to what she she's... likes to F and Jeff, doesn't she? She she does indeed. I mean, one of the funniest things I remember many many years ago, I was at my daughter's school when she was a, a year seven student, and they were putting on a meal for the the new parents who were there. And this was on the playlist in the background for the the dinner party that the kids were bringing. The actual song was was Me and Mr. Jones, oh. which it has the classic line, what kind of fuckery is yeah, this? I love that. I absolutely adore it. But I sat there and I have a tendency to just tune into music anyway and not listen to the conversation around me at all. And I just sat there giggling away all the way through that song. Has anybody listened to this song before they put it on a playlist for a school function? Well... It would make me go to more school functions, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, Dave, I'm, I'm assuming you're a fan. The more I listen to this album, the more I love it. When I first suggested this album, it was just one that I'd only ever put on the background and listened to, and I knew I liked it. Um, and I, I love all that retro 60s feel to it and the soulful groove of it. But when I listen to it on headphones, it suddenly comes alive. I would now say that it is one of my top 10 albums of all time. Wow. I would put Back to Black as, I would probably say it is the most devastating breakup song I've ever heard. It, I, that is a, a good song. It, it, it rips me apart. 
Mm. It it strangles my heart every single time I hear it. Much like my poetry. (laughs) Very much so. That point in the middle of the song, when all the music drops out, and we're just left there with with the beat of the drum that sounds like a heartbeat. plummet into the depths of depression along with her that's why i love this album because it takes you with her on her it journey makes you sad it is it is devastatingly sad mm. it i think it is an absolutely tragic album even the up-tempo songs when you listen to them and when you actually hear what she's singing about are so so sad mm. she's so cynical and and twisted about love you know I'm no good. I mean, in, mm. in the, the very title sums up what that one's about. I cheated myself like I knew I would. I told you I was troubled. You know that I'm no good. Lovers are losing game when she sort of like uses the analogy of gambling and addiction and and says this is what love is and that you you are always going to come out a loser if you fall in love because she always has mm. that is that is so sad it's tragic yeah and now the final frame do you think people are listening to it the wrong way and don't hear this. Yeah, listening to it as a party album yeah. rather than a... Oh, look, there's, there's a few tracks you can dance to. Yeah. I, I can understand that. We've discussed this in, in previous episodes. Nowadays, most people don't listen to albums. They're much more likely to listen to playlists and singles that catch them, and they're instant, and, and they're great. But when you listen to an album and you put it on headphones... And you just lie down with with nothing else, close your eyes, and you listen to everything that's going on. There is so much more. But of all the albums that we've listened to, this has been the one that has really, really resonated with me. Okay. And I agree with all that. I I love soul and 50s, 60s R&B. There's a lot of reggae and ska and, and all of those elements I really enjoy. And But I did say the first couple of listens, it didn't grab me like it used to. Having said that, I, I agree with you totally. You've got to listen to it again and again. And I guess it takes time to appreciate any piece of art. You've got to give it the time it deserves to appreciate it, what it is for. And the same with wine. You can't just go, I sip it, oh, I don't like it. You've got to give it time to actually give you what it's got. I agree. I mean, I, I was going to ask you, do you find that the albums or even the tracks that you first hear and there you get an instant reaction, I love it, fills you up, you, you listen to it lots and lots and lots, and then suddenly, no, nah, I'm bored with it. There's no depth to it. Yep. And the stuff that you actually have to work at. Harry that, Styles. <laughs> the stuff that you have to listen to, I don't know, it, you know, it doesn't really affect you the first time you hear yeah. it. But with subsequent listens and with a deeper listen, it really seems to draw you in. And I find that those, I don't know, what I think there's a name for it when you get an album that is a, not an instant album, but it sort of takes time for you to appreciate it. It's a slow burn. A slow burn. And this is definitely a slow burn. Yeah. I, I liked, um, 
I liked I, I like R and B and Mark Ronson was all over that. Yeah. Um and my favourite track was the second to last one, He Can Only Hold Her. Oh yeah. Uh, which was like hip hop R and B and horns. I love the horn section. Yeah. Brilliant. And I think this album would be beautiful to hear as a live piece. Yeah. It's not done as much justice as a recording, but I just want to get it across to the listener that even though I was critical at the start, I really do love this album. Well, I think the thing is, I I didn't realise this, but she was really into hip-hop, and Mm. she had adopted that um, idea of taking something and reworking a riff, reworking a sound, reworking a feel of a song. And so she would say to Mark Ronson, you know, I, 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 I want it to feel like this. And he would do his best to deliver. Well, she wanted to get to her Slick Rick gig, didn't she? She did indeed. That's what all the fuckery was about, That's wasn't it? That's all the it? fuckery was about. With Nas, like, who was one of... I love Nas. I didn't know they had a connection. She knew Nas. Oh, they were really good yeah, friends. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, uh, there's something a little bit different happening this week. David, you have prepared a cocktail for us. Yes, absolutely. When we decided that it was going to be back to black, um, the first thing that I thought of was not a bottle of wine, but was a cocktail. And the drink that I decided on, I have named it Rehab, but I think probably a more suitable name would be a Bloody Negroni. It's based on a, a classic Negroni cocktail, so it has that kind of vintage styling in a cocktail. Yep. And it is a very honest cocktail in that there are three shots of alcohol, there's no mixers, you know exactly what you're getting when you try drinking this. It is not a drink to have too much of, and possibly that could be said for Amy Winehouse. She certainly did overdo it's really um, strong. It's called a bloody Negroni because it is one and a half shots of Four Pillars Bloody Shiraz Gin. Now, Four Pillars is a boutique gin distillery in the Yarra Valley in Victoria, Australia. And this one has been infused with Shiraz grapes. So a link there, Christian, with, with your bottle of wine. Those Shiraz have imparted colour and also imparted a sweetness, I think. There's some of the sugars definitely yeah, coming definitely out there. Yeah, definitely get that. But if you can't get it, you can actually just add a teaspoon of Shiraz wine and a teaspoon of port to your glass of gin. And I think, you know, Tanqueray, which would be suitable because she references that in one of her songs. Mm. You can make something akin to this bloody Shiraz gin. So two, one and a half shots of gin, you add one shot of a good quality vermouth. The original Negroni had a vermouth rosso. I use a Blanco just because I like it that way. Half a shot of Campari. And I have served it in a rocks glass over ice with a slice of blood orange. It's delicious. It's really good. So the question now is, we've got two red wines and a cocktail. How are we going to vote? Excuse me. Maybe I was hoping to have my peach, please. Have you not had your pitch? No, no. Oh, I, you've I, written your poem I now, have you? I said waiting and uh, no. <laughs> Please stop that. Okay, all right, all right. I'll stop that. Let's, uh, let me start by talking about the uh, Bin 28. Now, Amy was 28 when she died. 27, I thought. 27. Oh, In the 27 Club. Member of the 27 Club, yeah. Okay. Well, um, look, I think one of the... Uh, the, the so you got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I don't know. I feel like this wine is gritty. It is... 
heavy. It's got a smokiness to it. This wine, they started producing it in the late 50s and early 60s. So it has its origins and its roots in the 60s. Much like this album, the, the roots of, of her album came from R&B and jazz and soul, which made it start in the 60s. Especially with those artists like Nellie Lechner, the Shangri-Las and Etta James. And if you listen to an Etta James album, I can hear so much of Amy in her voice. It's also quite dark and smoky and it has a certain mysteriousness to it. It's also got a grittiness to it as well, which I thought matched the album. And uh, not that I would write much poetry, but um, I've had a go at a little bit of poetry myself. I'm going to start with Shiraz, Pizzazz. Amy's got the jazz. (laughs) The soul, the scar. It's from the Barossa. It's back, it's black. Bin 21 takes the slack. Kalimna, you know, this stuff is for you. Who, hey, who needs Georgia? Boom. (laughs) I mean, it's good. Well done for rhyming, but getting also everything wrong. (laughs) Bin 21. It's bin 28. It's your own own wine. All right, so it's time to vote. So just for those of you who haven't listened before, each week we vote on which beverage is going to match the album the best. It's not necessarily the one that we like the most, but this week, I mean, all three are really, really nice. But we give it a ranking out of 10, and 10 things that are specific to that album. In the past, we've had Norwegian Woods for the Beatles, and we had Watermelons for Watermelons. Harry Styles. And this week, you need to vote for each drink how well it matches to the album Back to Black with a mark out of 10 fuckeries. I'm going to give myself a really good fuckery for... Yeah, okay. You're enjoying the word, but I need a number as well. No, I want to, I'm going to start with... I think I'm about eight fuckeries. For the Shiraz? For the Shiraz. All right. I'm going to give you... Yeah, I'll give you eight too. Oh, okay. And the cocktail? Look, it was super, super strong, but I love the little bits of coffee, and I mm. love the, and I could taste all the stuff. And Dave, you put blood orange in there too, and that was just delicious. I'm going to give that, I'm going to give that nine fuckery. Okay, so you think the cocktail matched the album most? Yes. Uh, who wants to go next? Do you want to go? Or do you want me? To I'm, go? I'm happy to go next. All right. So I honestly thought I had sewn this up because this is not my area of expertise, but I thought with this cocktail that I had matched this album mm. perfectly until I tasted your wine, Chris. Yeah. So, I, uh. so I have to say I will go with seven fuckeries for um, Christian's Penfold Bin 28 because it was really a beautiful wine and actually a very good match to the album. Mm-hmm. I think the Bloody Negroni was complex. It was very alcoholic. I mean, drink too many of these and you will be going to rehab. But in the end, I'm only going to give that eight fuckeries. And I, I I really don't know if I can do this, but Chris, your, I'm not even going to say the name. Saparavi. Your Saparavi is a 10 out of 10. Holy moly. This is 10 for the poem. This is it, it, it was for the poem, wasn't it, Dave? Oh, absolutely. Oh well, you gosh. know me. I'm a, a, I'm a sucker for uh, for a man who sweet talks <laughs> me with a poem. No, it is just the most delicious wine, and in every single way, it matches the album. I love this album, and I love this wine. Yeah. I want to buy a case now. It's delightful, isn't it? So for me, the Shiraz delicious, but I think it's too refined. I think it's too. 
it's possibly too nice and not in the sense of enjoying the wine's taste, but it's nice in its existence and the album isn't that at all. It's not a nice album. So I'm going to give that a six. The cocktail I loved and maybe I'm a bit tainted. Um, I do think it's like a cocktail lounge album. So I gave that an eight mm. and I love the Saparavi. I'm probably underrating it here with an eight. But if we add all of those things up, uh, the Shiraz takes a 21, the cocktail a 25. Saparavi from Georgia uh, 26, so that takes out the Hooray for Georgia! 26 fuckeries. good. And let's refill our glasses, Cheers, because guys. we've got the rest of this bottle to finish, it's, and it is, it's good. It, they're all beautiful drinks. Okay, so we now come to the point where we talk about the wines, where you can get them, how much they cost, and also what else you could listen to or consume if you like what we're doing tonight. So, Christian. The Kalimna Bin 28, this was $50 from First Choice Liquor in Australia. Um, Probably available all around the world, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, Definitely available in the UK. I'm almost certain that it's available in the US and Canada as well. Certainly a lot cheaper than we can get it for here. Yep. Okay, so mine is actually, it, while it's a Georgian variety, it wasn't made in Georgia. It's a Georgian grape, but it is from, believe it or not, the same place that the Penfolds is from. It's from the Barossa Valley in South Australia. It's from Patriti Estate, um, which is an old winery in the Barossa Valley. It's 2018, and I paid $33 for the bottle. Wow. Yeah, it's really. I, I'm genuinely blown away by this. It's delightful. So it's not. Not actually from Georgia. No, but they have a Georgian connection there. They they started making it because uh, they had a Georgian guy come over and he brought a bottle of Saparavi with him. They loved it and they started playing around with it. And that was in the 90s. And now it's one of their things that they produce. It was harder to get because it's mm. a more obscure variety. You might get more of it uh, in the States. You might get more of it in Europe. But in Australia, it's actually pretty tricky to get a hold of. Um, it's it's come, becoming more and more popular. But yeah, I'm... I've only ever had one in the past, and it was nowhere near as good as this. Um, but I had to order something in. So it's a little bit harder to find. But if you can find a Saparavi, go for it, because this mm. one is spectacular. So, Chris, can I ask, you've gone for an obscure wine. Is there any other grape or wine that you think has a certain similarity to the Saparavi that, that you would recommend if people can't get that yeah, particular grape? It, it's a hard one, because it is really unique. But more of the mainstream varieties. I've had Malbecs that have some similar properties to this. Okay. Um, so, and Malbec is a really easy to find grape out that, there. That's oh, what I, I was thinking. I was yeah. thinking about a Malbec. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's got that violet sort of floral, cherry red flavour. It, it's hard to describe. But the closest thing to a mainstream variety, I would say, would be something like a Malbec. Yeah, yeah. And you can get them from ten bucks to a thousand bucks. So. But if you can get a Saparavi, try it. And I think if ever you don't know what to get, get something different that you haven't tried before. Yeah. So with the Negroni, I actually did a little bit of math this afternoon and worked out that if we were going to get 7.5 drinks out of my Negroni, it would cost you about $50. It's a lot of maths at this stage of the game. Yeah. I, well, I was, I was sober in the afternoon. Yeah. So, so I'd say my cocktail, to equal it to the wine, is $50. Yeah, cool. So there you go. Uh, some beautiful, beautiful drinks tonight. I think every single one of them is delicious. Okay, so we, we've we've had our drink recommendations. Yep. If you like this album mm. and you want to listen to something else that maybe, maybe inspired this album or is inspired by this album, where would you go, Chris? You've already mentioned a few names, so... 
Um, I'm going to say go straight to Edda James. Mm. Um, she's got a great album. Um, please listen to her. Marvin Gaye, again, a bit, a bit of soul. And yep. I know that there's, you know, there's a temptation to go to some of those 60s girl bands, and I'm sure you're going to touch on that in a second. For those who like a bit more modern music, maybe Lily Allen. Mm. Yeah, I get that. The London Connection. The London yeah. Connection. And, and, and that sort of angst, the anger. Not the anger so much, but that sort of... Um, I don't know, that sort of very honest, rippy vibe. And honest, honest lyrics. Vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dave? I agree with everything you've said. Dinah Washington was on mine. Sarah Vaughan. Yes. As you said, the 60s girl groups really influenced the sound of this album. So you're looking at the Shangri-Las, the yep. Renettes, the Marvelettes, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. You'll literally hear tunes in those. And you think, oh, that's where they got absolutely. that from. If you're going to go more modern, there is a plethora of neo-soul singers and bands out there, and they are all really wonderful. I would suggest listening to Yola, Teeks, a fine New Zealand band called LAB, who tinker around with a bit of reggae and soul and all sorts of different things, but they are really good. There are some great local Aussie bands. Uh, The Teskey Brothers are just Mm. absolutely fantastic. Odette Mercy comes from Perth, sings her own songs, but also sings rare soul gems. Is very much in keeping with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. And the Dap Kings were Amy Winehouse's backing band on this album. And one last recommendation, Thelma Plum. I think she channels a little bit of Amy Winehouse and is a, a wonderful artist. I'd, I'd highly recommend her. I'm going to go a little bit different here. So I think go back and listen to some Dusty Springfield. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Great recommendation. Uh, yes. You know, the, the white girl singing black songs. You know, I, I think that's a bit of a connection there, which was a big deal back then, maybe not so much now. And then going forward, go and listen to some of her hip-hop influences. Go, go and listen to Nas. Go and listen to someone like Talib Kweli or Moz Def. Just because I think those those artists really still stand strong, I think. So for me, maybe they don't sound exactly the same as Amy, but if you like Amy, you might like them. She loved hip-hop. And there was a possibility that her next album, had she gone on to record one, would have much stronger hip-hop influences. Mm. Well, there you have it, folks. We've got a bunch of recommendations to go and fill ears and glasses. And I think uh, we're going to sign off there. So thanks very much for listening to the Wine and Vinyl Club as we went through and sampled Amy Winehouse's Back to Black album. Please be sure to listen to us next time when we go through another album and match it to another couple of fantastic wines. So in the meantime, it's goodbye from me, it's goodbye from Chris. Good night. And it's goodbye from Dave. Good night. Good night. Good night.